Hey guys, welcome to the Press Gallery. But before we get to the show, I do just want to remind you all to subscribe to the podcast. Of course, you can find it wherever you find your podcasts, whether it's Stitcher, Google Play, uh, iTunes. So search for us. And if there's an app that you use that doesn't have the Edmonton Journal Press Gallery podcast on it, shoot me a tweet or shoot me an email. I'm very easy to find on the internet, mlgraney at twitter.com. And let me know and we will do our best to get it up on whatever it is that you use. Enjoy this edition of the Press Gallery. Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney. It is Friday, December 15, 2017. Had to double check that then. I thought it was still the 14th, but I was wrong. This is the bye, bye, bye edition with me today. I have Dave Breckenridge. How are you? I'm good. So, it, yeah. You, just considering <laughs> that for a moment, you don't want to overcommit. Good. Not yet, no. Okay, that's it's good. still yeah. early. So, uh, that's fair, that's fair. Paula Simons. Good day, Miss Graney. How are you? I am in excellent health and the peak of fitness. Good. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> excellent news. And Graham Thompson. Bye-bye-bye edition. That sounds like a really interesting title. Bye-bye, baby. Could you explain it to baby, us, please? Bye-bye. It's Graham's title. <laughs> this is why he would like a footnote. That's not true. Well, so what, yeah. is, what does it mean? What does it mean, Graham? When I you, have when no you, idea what it means. Lucky your your charming host Emma Graney will talk you through what it means. Mm. Charming. No one's ever used that word to describe me except me just then. Um, yeah. So a few bye bye byes. I guess this week in Alberta politics, goodbye bye. The session is over. We're done for another year. I guess we won't be back until the spring. Uh, we had a bye election, and we're saying goodbye to a dear near sundry, and also. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye to, not as flippantly, an employee who was sexually harassed. So we're going to try and cram all of that into today's podcast, which I'm sure we can do because we got mad skills. Let's first of all talk about the by-election. Yes. One because by. that happened last night. Mm-hmm. To the surprise of absolutely nobody, Jason Kenney won. Graham? Yeah, I think uh, 72% roughly of the vote went to Kenny. I yeah. thought it'd be like more like 70, 75, seriously. I thought it'd be like 75 for him and 20 for the NDP and 5 for the Liberals. Uh, NDP got 17%. They got crushed. Yeah. And the Liberals, 9% for David Kahn, 9.3. I was actually surprised he managed to get such a high No, I thought they needed to get like, double digits at least for Kahn. But the thing is, Kahn, I think it's interesting how they'll all start to spin this now. But Kenny, 72% roughly, 11,000 votes. Relatively small turnout, but it's a by-election. 32% turned out. Ouch. Uh, he has a low turnout, but the thing is, uh, he got his vote out. Like they worked, and they made a point. They make it a point of showing the NDP what can be done uh, in Calgary um, in its by-election. So you're going to have the UCP saying, this is it. The NDP is finished in 2019. you got the NDP saying, well, hold on. It was a by-election. He's a well-known person. And it was in Calgary. Low in Come Calgary, <laughs> and this has gone for the conservatives forever, provincially and federally. And, you know, they're saying a lot can happen between now and then. But the UCP is saying basically th- this is it. Uh, they're reading maybe too much into it. But having said that, 72%. They just walloped the NDP. Uh, the, the Liberals con, they're trying to say, well, look, it was okay. He had a chance to get his name put forward. Mm-hmm. People had a chance to see who he is. And Liberals can then position themselves as a moderate party between the too far left NDP and the too far right UCP. Uh, now, maybe it was a smart thing for him, but, of course, 
the real loser last night, I think, in a lot of ways, was the Alberta Party. Didn't have a candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, on a side note here, we have Greg Clark saying he's not running for leadership. Which has the official count for leadership runners at, at zero. zero. Yes, so there's nobody running for the for the leadership at this point. So anyway, so last night, this is really good news for the UCP. Kenny now gets a seat in the legislature. As you pointed out, uh, Emma, the session will start again late February, and then we'll start seeing the gloves really come off uh, yeah. in terms of Notley versus Kenny they in had, the House in they, question. They period. hadn't already come off in the House or no, just in general? No, no. not because Kenny's not there. So yeah. Imagine him actually being on the floor and them going at each other. Notley tweeted last night, yes. congratulations, I'm, look for, I'm looking forward to debating you in the House. And I'm looking forward to watching. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think in some ways, I mean, it might have been a cleverer move for the New Democrats to not run a candidate at all. I mean, and, and for which there's lots of parliamentary protocol Absolutely, and say, yeah. you know, you're the leader of the opposition. We, you know, we're we, going to be nice. We're going to be nice and give you this seat. I mean, I, I was sort of entertained by all of the people reading the entrails here. Like there's some great learning to be gathered from this. Of course he won the seat. Everybody always knew he was going to win the seat. I mean, the the people who were so deluded after Doug Jones uh, beat Roy Moore and said, oh, you know, maybe that same thing will happen in Calgary Law. No. No. And you can't make the... No. Com- there were people trying to make the comparison between Alabama and Calgary. And I get that there, no. there are legitimate criticisms of Jason Kenney. But Roy Moore allegedly... <laughs> I, I like that he was molested teenagers. <laughs> right. There's no comparison between Jason Kenney and Roy Moore. I'm sorry to everybody out there who would like to to draw that line and say, "Well, Alabama did something good, and then Calgary ruined it for progressives." No, <laughs> no. I mean, these, 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 you know, one of these things is not like the other. But uh, I mean, by the same token, you know, when I, when I see our, our Calgary Herald colleague Don Braid going, "Oh, this means the NDP must throw out everything they've been doing," like, no, he was always going to win. He was always going to win. And, you know, uh, the NDP had a perfectly nice sort of sacrificial candidate who went up against him. Um, you know, I mean, this is this is all sort of political theater playing out the way these things play out. I mean, what's going to be fascinating now is when Kenny's in the House, um, that's when things are, you know, now, now we're going to see. And Kenny's good in the House. I don't know how many people remember watching him in opposition federally. He's a good debater in the house and he will be i imagine the same same attack dog that he was toward the liberals uh in the house of commons and i think that he stands to be able to advance his party more in the house than he could outside the house because he's every question period people would slam kenny slam kenny slam kenny and he couldn't necessarily fight back right then and there i think that he'll have the government on the defensive he only quickly. showed up yeah he only showed up to one question period yeah. this session well because yeah. let's be clear he doesn't have a seat he's just there yeah. to watch no, now he'll have a seat he sat and, up in the speaker's gallery yeah and he'll actually and I, I, I think that david's right uh, that we will see him he's very effective in the house of course notley's very effective mm-hmm. but the thing is in question period it's the opposition questioning the government mm. and the government of course will they'll be throwing things back at him but this is a chance for uh, Kenny to, to to show what he's made of in the House against uh, Notley. And, of course, the other things will be going on next year, the red zone into the next election is them getting ready in all fronts because it's going to be a fascinating year 
in Alberta politics. One of the things that happened so much fun. One of the things that happened this week, and this kind of segues to another thing I want to talk about, Graham. When you talk about it, it'll be the opposition questioning the government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what happened this yeah. week with Jason Nixon? <laughs> of course, he got up. Um, there was a kerfuffle. Well, you think it's your story? You should explain it. Yeah, so Jason Nixon, it turns out, fired a woman, an employee who was sexually harassed uh, in BC um, about a decade ago. He was found to have done so by a human rights tribunal. At first, he did, when she came with these, you know, allegations that she was being sexually harassed in the workplace, he did what he could. He said, okay, we'll find you a new trailer. Don't go to work today. Do you want to go to the police? But ultimately, when push came to shove, um, he shoved her. And rather than eating the contract with his client, he just fired the employee who was um, shown to have been sexually harassed and she was awarded $32,000 by the tribunal in 2008. Now, I I guess put that out there this week and the fallout was concentrating more on Nixon and not protecting this woman. Because this is to do with Bill, Bill 30, yeah. the government brought in dealing with the Workers' Compensation Board, Occupational Health and Safety, and one of the aspects of the bill is to give protection to workers against sexual harassment in the workplace. So you had uh, Nixon standing up and arguing against the bill. And we should point out to people, he's been the House leader. I mean, in Kenny's absence, right. he has been like the de facto leader of the of right. the UCP He is caucus. the one who asked the yeah. questions of the Premier during question period. Uh, he is a person we talked to in the media to get comments uh, heading into question period. And so... Here he is arguing against Bill 30, and then the government stands up and says, uh, hey, buddy, uh, how can you possibly debate this bill with your record of firing a woman four days before Christmas, I should add, uh, you know, Alsa, she's a mother, a single, a, mom. A single mom of three children. Living, living, her, living in her mom's basement. Actually, it's her grandmother's. Her grandmother's basement, yes. Yes, and uh, no other source of income. Anyway, so the, the NDP's all over Nixon, and Nixon had to say, look, I made mistakes. I'm, I'm regretful of what actually happened. Didn't know what to do uh, 10 years ago. And the thing is, you mentioned question period. So when you have Nixon asking a question of the premier about carbon tax, she stands up and just goes after him over his record dealing with uh, firing a, a woman for sex, after she alleged sexual harassment. And so he had to more or less eat crow in the House. And all of a sudden, you see the UCP, the official opposition, get really deflated during question periods. It happened Tuesday and Wednesday where the the government attacked the opposition who got really quiet, really subdued. I've not seen them that quiet. I'm up there every day for question period, and I have never ever seen them this quiet. I don't think in the last two sessions have I seen them this quiet. Which is why they, they pulled the plug on debate um, and the session wrapped up this week. It might, might go till next week, but it wrapped up this week. The UCP just gave up debating bills and they were all passed. And this is because they wanted to get out of the House because they were getting hammered every day by the government over Nixon's um, behavior from a decade ago. Nixon did get up to... Um during debate on Bill 30, which was the uh, the workplace law debate, he got up and apologized in the House for what had happened, said he deeply regrets it. Also kind of turned it a little bit, saying, um, I never intended to, de- to argue against the harassment portion of the bill, but my words can and have been interpreted in a well, different so this, way. This is what I, this is what I was... I didn't understand because I understand that Bill 30 is, I mean, it's not an omnibus bill, but it's like, it's like a shuttle bus bill. It's got lots of stuff (laughs) in it. Um, uh, 
that is not related to sexual harassment. And so this was their defense. Well, we, you know, we, we were only mad about the WCB part. We were mad about what it's, you know, increased costs to employers. But did Nixon actually say something that could be interpreted as saying that he opposed the sexual harassment part of the harassment, harassment, harassment part of the law? Let me tell you what he said on December 6th in the House. I pulled up Hansard and got my highlighter out. So he spoke at length about this bill. And this is where I found out that Nixon even owned a safety consulting company. I had no idea. So Nixon gets up and talks about uh, safety in the workplace, yada, 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 and it was very long. He then does talk about harassment. He said specific to the harassment part of it, we have companies that turn concrete into skyscrapers, that take sand and change it into gas for our cars. There are companies like that who have had harassment policies in place for years and they've been working. We can see that they've been working. We need to put this in the hands of industry. That's who will drive change. That is what he said. He says that doesn't mean he was arguing against it. That sure My, sounds like he was arguing against it. Yeah, and, and when I interviewed him, I interviewed him for about 18 minutes, actually, on Monday at around half past four in the afternoon about this. Um, and we put the story out there on Tuesday morning. And he said that again and again and again. And, and, he, and he came back and said, no, I never argued against it. But he, he said, I don't think legislating it is unreasonable. That was his exact quote to me, that legislating sexual harassment. But industry needs to make the drive. Industry needs to do this. Industry needs to be the ones that accept it. And well, he said I mean, that again and again. I mean, well, I mean, that's not wrong in the sense that any time the government passes a bill, if people, you know, if people won't act on the bill with goodwill, I mean, you know, you can pass a seatbelt law. If the company doesn't make their workers wear seatbelts on the job site, then, you know. The, Absolutely. But, but that's why you have the law. You have the law as as the backstop if you know, yeah. I mean, sure, you need industry buy-in, but that doesn't mean that you just let industry self-regulate on something that's a basic employment rights issue. And and beyond that, it was very clear in his comments, even if he said it's not unreasonable to legislate, he was saying that there's basically no need for the government to legislate because yes, you should put it in the hands of industry. And I, yeah. you know, you took a, a lot of flack from from trolls if you will. The UCP and, caucus and tweeted the UCP um, caucus, uh, one paragraph of the interview. Yeah. They tweeted out a transcript of it with a selected part highlighted. So thanks very much, UCP caucus. The wording you used was there's no need. No need means not necessary. And he basically said it's not necessary. And I find the one thing I find funny about all of this is there are conservative types who are all upset that the media didn't do their due diligence in the 2015 election, digging up dirt on the NDP. Mm-hmm. And you saw this with the Deb Drever case. Mm-hmm. So they're upset we didn't do it with the NDP, and all of a sudden we find a bit of relevant information about the leader in the House of the official opposition, and they're all up in arms that we would dare. We would dare look into that. Yeah, it was 10 years ago, and let's talk he was, to... He was, oh, he was only 25. That's what I want to bring up, too. So Jason Kenney is sticking by um, Nixon. Notley got up. She Very unusual step for, for the Premier. She got up and said, I'm going to scrum at 10.30 on Emma's story. I want to get... I want to go and comment on that. I, that was really kind of odd to me. No, it is. It's really unusual, Very for, unusual for this premier to come out and do a scrum outside her office. Yeah, and she said, and she said, you know what? Nixon needs to go. Um, what, it was unacceptable. Very, very serious. But more than that, Kenny needs to answer questions now. Here are the two big questions: Did Kenny know that that Nixon did this back in two thousand and eight or two thousand and whenever it happened? And now that he does know, what's he going to do about it? And what Kenny did was stick by Nixon and say, as part of his statement, say, well, he was 25 at the time, you know, owning an independent company and the worksite wasn't even in the province where he was. 
that just cements this, you know, boys will be boys attitude. No, but what it really cements for me is why you need a law like this. I mean, I mean, I like Jason Nixon. He's always seemed to me to be a decent human being. So let's imagine you're a young Jason Nixon and you're 25 and you're running your own company. Mm. And, and the people who have the contract, I mean, you're the subcontractor. And the company says, we don't like the employee you have on our job site because she's making trouble. You know, she wears she wears jeans that are a little tight, 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 and we find that distracting. And, you know, because of her presence in the office, our guy is suddenly forced to not watch his porn in the office. It's terrible. Um, he admitted uh, to watching pornography in the lot, office, not Jason Nixon, this other yeah, guy. Yeah, the other guy. Yeah, I mean, the other guy, I, mean, what, I mean, what happened here is that the other guy complained to her that his computer wasn't running properly, and so she brought in a computer tech to fix his computer and found scoodles and scoodles and scoodles of porn on his website, which was slowing things down on his, on his computer, <laughs> among, among many other things. I mean, that's, an, that's, I mean these, that's not just a he said, she said. I mean, that's an actual thing that was, that was ruled to be fact by the tribunal. Um, so imagine you're a young Jason Nixon, and the company you've contracted with is giving you grief. If Nixon had had a law, he could have turned to that company and said, I'm really sorry, I can't fire her now that she's made a sexual harassment complaint uh, because, you know, then clearly I I would be at fault. I mean, so if he'd had a legal protection, if he'd had a legal framework, then as a young business operator, he might have been able to make a a wiser decision because he would have been backstopped by law. But in fact, uh, he didn't have that. And, you know, I've read the whole tribunal uh, findings. It, it, it was a lot of he said, she said. And, mm. and, and you know, it, it isn't as clear cut. Maybe it wasn't probably as clear cut in the moment as it seems now. But if he'd had a legislative framework to defend himself with, because, you know, the company was basically saying, you're going to lose the contract if you don't fire her. Well, if he'd had if he'd had a legal fallback position, then, then, then none of this might have happened. The whole thing about the premier demanding that Kenny force Nixon out, though, is it's just political theater. It's yeah. you know about something that happened ten years ten years ago. ago that he that he was punished for and paid a fine for. So essentially, it was dealt with by the courts, if you will. It's no different than Andrew Shear walking out in Ottawa and demanding that that um, the prime minister fire Bill Morneau over the ethics concerns going on in Ottawa. It's well, just, actually, it's. It, it is different well, because is. because because Bill Morneau. I mean, that's that's something he did while while well, alleged, get, that he allegedly did while he was the minister yes, of finance. But in, but in I terms mean, of the the prime minister is not going to turn around and fire the guy just because the leader of the opposition says so, and the pre, the leader of the opposition here isn't going to turn around and fire his deputy just because the premier says so. And I think that in this case, the the stakes are a lot less. L- a lot lower, a lot less low, <laughs> a lot lower, more, more low, more low. They're a lot, they're a lot lower here than they than they are in Ottawa. Yeah. I haven't States had enough coffee this morning. It's, you know. But think you're right though. It is political theater because it's interesting. All roads lead back to Kenny. No matter what happens, they'll bring Kenny. Says so the NDP will bring Kenny into it somehow. So by her raising Kenny's name, it's just her trying to trying to bring Kenny into this latest scandal or scandalette. It's a small scandal. And it's interesting, though, after she did that, we, we heard that Nixon would not be available uh, for us heading into question period. All he of a sudden, going to talk to the media. And we thought, oh, this is interesting because the UCP was going to keep him away from us. And it wasn't until later on in the afternoon when Kenny put out that statement uh, backing Nixon, Nixon all of a sudden was available to us. Because you can see it for there's a couple of hours there. Yeah. 
but they didn't really know how to handle this. Mm-hmm. And so, and the thing is, Notley's news conference or scrum did have an effect um, on the UCP. It did put them on a defensive. And that's, according to Brian Mason, the government house leader, after Notley's scrum, it's when he heard from the UCP that they wanted to end the session as quickly as possible. So there was that. It was theater, but actually it was effective theater as yeah. far as the premier was concerned. And, of course, session is over now. But before it wrapped up, I guess there was one last, let's call it a scandalette. I like that word, Graham. Doe a deer, <laughs> as was the front page of The yes. Sun, which I loved, Dave. Thank you very much for that. No problem. Mm-hmm. I aim to entertain. Yeah. <laughs> Emma had a busy week begging, begging UCP. <laughs> well, of course, uh, Flutterband is not a UCP no, member. No, no, no. They won't us, be tell, for a while, I think. Tell, tell us, Emma, what, problem, what, what hot water did Derek Flutterbrand find himself in this week, in this week's edition of, of leave, it, leave It to Derek? I... <laughs> I have had a ridiculous week, it is true. Uh, so Derek Fildebrand has been charged under the Fisheries and Wildlife Act and also the Trespass Act for shooting a white-tailed deer on private property without permission. And uh, yeah, it was back from a November 4 incident uh, near Sundry, near the town of Sundry. And um, the landowner complained. He apologized, but of course was charged anyway. The deer eventually got donated to the food bank. There's uh, some there's some kerfuffle over who did the donating because <laughs> Justice says that the wildlife official actually seized the deer and the rifle. And Derek's like, yeah, for sure, they seized the rifle. But I had tagged that deer, so I donated to the food bank. Justice is like, nah, we donated to the food bank. <laughs> it was just this bizarre little thing. But Derek Fildebrand will face court in Didsbury on February 2nd for his first appearance. And, uh, yeah, that's the latest. He's in court Friday. again Monday. on Monday. Yes, on for the judgment in the, the uh, Edmonton vehicle hit and run case. Yes, the alleged hit and run. I saw people <laughs> saying online, well, if they found the deer in an alfalfa field, how did he not know <laughs> that he was not on crown land? Which was his explanation. Oh, I thought I was on crown land. Now, I mean, in fairness, on November 4th, there was a fair bit of snow on the ground. It's, yep. not, it's not like it was an alfalfa field in full blossom. It was a, a piece of white dirt. But still, I mean, it's pretty easy to tell the difference, isn't it, between a piece of land un- that's been under cultivation versus wild crown land? I don't know. I'm not a hunter. I'm not a hunter either, but I I assume he is, and (laughs) he may know the difference. Yeah, so this was another piece of bad news for Derek Fildebrand, just before Christmas. So here's the the question. How long do you think it will be before Fildebrand makes it back in to the UCP caucus, because he's been sitting in the naughty chair? uh, Yeah, this is because of what happened with his Airbnb. You know, last summer he was caught... Uh, renting out a taxpayer-funded apartment in Edmonton on Airbnb and pocketing the money. Very enterprising. Yes. Well, there you go. He's making some money. Um, yeah, so the question is, uh, when will he get back into the UCP caucus? He's sitting as an independent. Kenny, the leader of the UCP, has said that after his legal issues are cleared up, then we'll look at actually his future. And the thing is, they really want him back because he's a big Kenny supporter and vice versa. But the thing is, this case, of course, it will be heard now in February. And the thing is, though, he's more or less saying he did it. Yeah. He's just really, really sorry. So I think he's thinking, look, I'll go to court, I'll pay a fine, and that's it. And maybe it is, it, that will be it. But the thing is, I don't think Kenny can bring him back in until later next year. So it ha- to me, it has pushed it up because with, with filter bad, it's like one thing after another. If you think any of these single incidents, it wouldn't be a huge deal. But this is one person who seems to constantly get himself in trouble. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's a bit like Oscar Wilde. I mean, you know, to, to have one accident may be considered a misfortune. To, to have two criminal cases against you <laughs> starts to look like carelessness. Well, in fairness, one was in traffic court and the other one is under Fisheries and Wildlife and the Trespass Act. Yeah, so they're not actually criminal code things. So Though you didn't seem to realize he was facing two charges either, which was interesting because I had my story up and then he texted me and was like, it's only one charge. And I'm like, ah, oh, no. No, no I, I've got your court docket. <laughs> It's two charges. Surprise! Yeah. (laughs) Merry Christmas! It's actually two charges, not one. I think the the stuff that happened earlier this year around Airbnb and around his expenses politically were more serious. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is the kind of thing. It's Admittedly, it's stupid. If it was, in fact, an honest mistake on his part, does this keep him in the wilder- the political wilderness for longer? I know, but I, I, at a certain point, though, it's not about it's not about yeah, what actually I, happened. That's it, fair. It, it's about the reputation that sticks to you, and this is this is the thing that's unfortunate for him, right? Now he's got mm-hmm. the the Airbnb thing, the double dipping on the expenses, the alleged hit and run, and and the deer. It all, you know, it it. <laughs> and he had social media problems before, didn't yeah, Brian? He did. Yeah, he was told to staff, for an hour. He was told to staff social media several times, and he just refused to listen yeah. to. Um, that's, that's another issue: is that um, no matter what, he has a hard time uh, staying within the lines. Like you know, he he tends to go off and do his own thing. I still think, yeah, he would be brought back into the caucus next year. Um, if this court case is early February, if he says, "Look, I'm really sorry about it." Maybe they'll bring him back in time for the House sitting. Uh, it starts the third week in February yeah. normally, and like, that was pushed to March this year. So, so I, I imagine he'll be he'll be brought in time for the for yeah. for the session. And he to start. he does say I d- he basically he said yeah I did I made a mistake and I'm sorry. So I think that's yeah. what he'll you plead. Know, I mean, I think I, I mean I, you know I mean he's not he's not not running a poaching ring. No. I mean, but but it, <laughs> <laughs> but it does start to you know it's it's that the accretion of things. Mm-hmm. It's like after a while, it's, it's tough to shake that reputation for being an idiot. <laughs> and he tends mind. to be very thin-skinned with the media as well. Like, you know, he has, the thing is, he, maybe he's, just, he's maturing. Maybe he will be a lot better because when he is um, criticized, he tends to, to snap back at people on social out. media mm. and in the media. Um, he actually, one time, the 2015, he said he refused to take questions from the, the Globe and Mail because he didn't like a story the Globe and Mail had done. So he refused to, to take questions from the reporter, yeah. Carrie Tate. So I think he is learning to be a bit more mature as a politician and a person. And maybe it's, yeah, he's just at a steep learning curve <laughs> ahead of uh, 2018. Another thing is that Kenny, I think, has said he will not um, support MLA's making um, bozo eruptions. He's keeping a really tight rein on his caucus. So I think that the word's gone out to MLAs uh, to behave themselves. Mm-hmm. All right, and let's move on to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things that we've read or seen or listened to that you, dear listeners, may also like. Uh, Breck, what do you got for us, mate? I just finished a really good book. It's a, it's, um, a fiction book. I think it's targeted at its young adult audiences. It's written by Warren Kinsella, who worked for John Chrétien and the Liberals. It's called Recipe for Hate. It's a really interesting novel. It's set in Portland, Maine in the late 70s. It's about a uh, uh, someone killing uh, young members of the punk rock community in Maine in the late 70s. And it, it deals with um, Nazi skinheads and uh, Aryan Brotherhood type people. Which it's is a, fascinating because yeah. that, I mean, Warren it's very, lots of yeah. serious nonfiction <laughs> on that subject. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's picked up on that. And I, I think the, some of the issues that the book deals with are kind of timely considering everything that happened in the U.S. this year. 
Bola, what do you have for us? Oh, I have two, and I can't choose, so I'll go fast. Um, one is I've been I've been watching The Crown uh, season two. I can't binge watch it because my husband doesn't like it, so I can only watch it when he's not in the room. Uh, <laughs> now that that makes him sound terrible and controlling. I just mean that you know he just looks sad and rolls his eyes. So, but I love it, and uh, and this season uh, the episodes I've seen thus far deal greatly with the Suez crisis and the fallout for Sir Anthony Eden's government and. If you want the uh, you know the quick and dirty history of the Suez crisis with really fabulous costumes, uh, Crown is great. Uh, and I also read a terrific piece in Chatelaine this week uh, uh, about the settlement of Yazidi women. These are the, the Christian women who were forced to be sex slaves by ISIS. And it's a very difficult uh, piece to read about how hard it is for women who've been so traumatized. You know, they came home, they came to Canada, and everybody we gave them a big welcome. And and now they're still lost and dealing with so much PTSD and trauma, and it's really been tough for them to make the uh, to make the transition to life in Canada. I am going to recommend, given that it's Christmas, and I am wearing my Christmas sweater. Not that you can see that on the podcast, but let it be noted. I want it on the record. I have been reading, thanks to my husband who got me this. It's the 2017 short story advent calendar. Yeah, so it's really, really cool. Uh, Every day you wake up and you get to read a little tiny short story. Some of them have been absolutely amazing, and I'm still thinking about them days later. Some of them have kind of sucked, or I haven't enjoyed them anyway. But it's actually um, edited by uh, Michael Hingston, who used to be our our books editor here. And I didn't realize that uh, until I met him the other day, but it is fantastic. And I know that, obviously, it'll be hard getting your hands on one these halfway through Advent, and I believe they sold out anyway. But if anyone wants to borrow mine, you're more than welcome to. And it, you know, you can, if they do it mm-hmm. next year, then you'll yeah, you'll put know. it down for next year because it'll probably be a 2018 one. And it's really cool to get up in the morning, read a short story, and then. So it's not a nap. It's actually like a. Yeah, no, so it's nap. actually yeah, it's it's real books. They're these things on paper, and <laughs> they're like. You tell me more. Yeah, <laughs> I'll discuss this with you afterwards. Graham. I look, I look forward to it. Um, <laughs> what do you have for us, mate? Uh, an article from Fortune magazine on net neutrality explained what it means and oh. why it matters. Of course, net neutrality, big issue with the FCC basically scrapping uh. net neutrality this week. This is an explanation as to what it means and why it matters. And why, we, and why you should care a lot. Mm-hmm. My friend is um, the head of that commission's cousin. <laughs> yeah. he, <laughs> he says he's disowning him as part of the family. <laughs> And on that note, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Dave, Paula, Graham, and Sean Butts here to film some of this and put it online at edmontonjournal.com where you can find all the past episodes of the Press Gallery. This is our second last episode. The next week, we will have our year-ender quiz. Woo! So brush up on your uh, brush up on your knowledge and play along. And remember to subscribe because, of course, you'll get next week. But when we come back the following year, you'll automatically get the first 2018 episode straight to your device. Hopefully you join us this time next week to see who is the winner of the Press Gallery Yearly Quiz.